Welcome to another edition of the Superflate NBA Show, your Tauba Auerbach of NBA shows, because I also like to use crumpled up paper, but I use it to play basketball in a trash can at this point in my life because I can't do basketball anymore. My body won't let me. Um, also, it's not paper. Look it up. What's up, everybody? It's your host, Joe Borelli, coming at you from my studio in Brooklyn, New York. It is Wednesday, December 20th, 2017, and we are getting close to the end of the year. We're getting close to the holiday season. Well, we're in the holiday season, but we're almost at Christmas. Just a couple of days away. I hope everybody's done their last little bits of Christmas shopping. But to all my friends out there who's celebrating uh, Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and whatever other holiday you have, pagan rituals... Um, dancing in the moonlight with no clothes on. That's my personal favorite. Um, happy holidays to you. Stay warm and be with friends and family and, and, uh, have a great time. So happy holidays, everybody. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can do so in a number of ways. You know this, you can tweet at the show at SuperflightPod. You can tweet at me personally at Joe Borelli. You can email the show at the superflightpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow along on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, blah, 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 blah. You can go to Almighty Baller and click and subscribe to this show. And you can also find me going forward on the Dunk Tales podcast with James Holis uh, weekly. And you can click and subscribe to that show as well. Um, that's it. That's the ways you can get in touch. Hope you do. Reach out and say hi. Tonight, um, Tyler Place is coming on again. We're going to talk about the Bulls about their winning streak and a bunch of fun stuff. But I guess this is a point in the podcast where I should probably give you some sort of story, right? Because I know that's why you tune in. You know, I could give you some Christmas stories. Could I, though? I don't know. My family is, like, stupid. We we celebrate Christmas because they're stupid religious. And when I say stupid, I mean that in every sense of the word. Love my family. Hate religion. I am obviously not a religious guy. Um but we do celebrate Christmas, and, you know. So there's lots of Christmas-centered stories. I can't really think of a good one, except for, well, here's one. So Saturday night, we had our Christmas, the work Christmas party, office party, I guess you will, if you will. Um, you know, we're all hanging out. We had some drinks, and then we went to a dinner, and then we came back to work, and and had more drinks, and it turned into quite the dance party. And, of course, me being a ham, I uh, kind of got the dance party going and, uh, you know, danced with people. And it was very outgoing when I was drinking, because that's how I am when I'm drinking. I'm a fun drunk. I wasn't drunk. I was just tipsy. Um, but that's what I do. I'm, I like to have a good time. I'm, I'm a very happy-go-lucky kind of guy at times, especially when I'm inebriated. Um so my boss, the owner, didn't really, because, you know, we don't really talk that much. I'm very kind of shy at work. I'm very shy if you ever meet me in person. And she said, you know, Joe, I had no idea you could dance, you know, like this. At which point I tried to, you know, grab her by the hand and, and take her for a twirl. But uh, it was funny. You, you would have had to been there. But yeah, and I, I was saying, you know, like, it's because I'm shy. She And she said, you're not shy. And I said, well, I'm shy when I'm not drinking, which reminded me of a story about when I was a kid, right? So in church, they were putting on a, a, a play, a, a nativity play, I guess, right? And I was going to be one of the sheep. I was one of the sheep. I had to, there came a point in the play when between singing and like having to get up and go run to the back and you'd have to put on your sheep costume and put on this stupid mask and everything. And I'm sitting there 
in the front row. I mean, we're on a stage and I'm sitting in the front row of the stage. It's a really weird setup, but we're sitting there and singing carols and like the, the manger scene is going on and blah, 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 blah. At one point, they tag us all like, it's your turn. You got to run back in the back and get dressed. And I was just scared, so scared to move that I just like ignored them. And the kids all went around me and I was just like sitting there and I was like, you know, I was scared. I think I was like six or something. I was a really, really shy child. I just had my head down, like looking at the floor the whole time when I would sing when I was supposed to sing. And the rest of the time I didn't do anything. And then everybody got changed and they, they did their part. And I'm standing there like a fool when the, you know, the people told me to get up and go do my part. And I, mean, I this is funny because this is like, what, almost 40 years ago. And I still remember this. I get up and I'm just like totally embarrassed because I'm so scared because I'm so shy. And like, I just stand there and, and they, they sing the song and I sing the song. And every, afterwards, everyone was like, my whole family was like, why weren't you dressed up? Everyone else was dressed up. I was like, I don't know. Cause I was scared, I'm scared to move. That's my whole life for you. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's my whole life for you in a, in a, in a nutshell, just scared to move, man. Just scared to move unless I'm drinking. Then, then I move. I can dance like a motherfucker. Just so you know. If you ever meet me, get me drunk. We'll dance. In any case, that's my stupid little spiel for the evening. It's not a particularly great one, but then again, I'm really tired. So that's what you get. In any case, Tyler Place is coming up. We are going to talk about some bulls. And after this, we'll be right back. All right, speaking to your mic. Hello, hello, can you hear me? Yep, gotcha. How's things, cool. man? Uh, busy, actually. Yeah. Like, really, really busy, so. So I won't take too much of your time then, I guess. Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> no, no, you're <laughs> fine. It's actually my first night to relax in uh, a few days, so good time. Oh, I accidentally just turned on my uh, my speaker. Cool. Well, Tyler, welcome back to the Superflight. It's always good to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Always excited to jump on here with you. Yeah, how was your? Uh, how was the coaching the other night? By the way, did you win? Oh, we did win. Yeah, that's that's keeping me really busy. You know, having four games a week. Oh my uh, god. Well, yeah, between coaching freshman ball and then helping out varsity, uh, definitely keeps you busy. So, um, which is good because then it keeps me away from the bowls. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Speaking of the bowls, you want to talk about some bowls? Yeah, I suppose we can talk about them a little bit since they're one of the hotter teams in the league right now. Which is insane. It's blowing my mind, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> listen, you know you know, I'm a big Sixers fan. So I obviously watched that game the other night. And uh did not make me particularly happy. Yeah, you know, it's, it's weird kind of seeing from afar. I haven't watched too much of uh, Philly this year. I mean, I have when I've had the chance, I have, but... Uh, and seeing that game, there's just a totally different vibe, it feels like, with Embiid out. Um, there's just a different identity with him off the floor. And I think you could see that, especially kind of down the stretch. Yeah, the identity uh, as is... As the Bulls kept coming back and throwing some attitude at him. You know, I saw Portis and Simmons going back and forth. And, um, yeah, I just think with Embiid there, it's it's a totally different, totally different game, totally different vibe. Um, and I personally, I don't think the Bulls pull that one out. But, honestly... Yeah, he wasn't there, so. Listen, without Embiid, the identity of that team is just bullshit. It's just some bullshit, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, you know, as good as Simmons is, 
you know, I think Embiid just sets the tone for everybody else. As well, good the, as Simmons is, is, I think he just he does it for everybody. Yeah, Simmons is great. For a rookie, he's far and away better than I thought he was going to be, mostly on the defensive yeah. end. Like, I think he's regressed enough to the point now where he is exactly what we were, we were expecting offensively. He's going to set the table for guys. He's going to get to the rim. He's going to give you some amazing dunks and some amazing passes, but he can't shoot the shit. You know, can't shoot the ball for shit. And he, no. and it's going to hurt him in the, you know, in a longer and ultimately down the stretch in games. But he's basically where we thought he was going to be. His defense is way better than we thought it was going to be. But the problem is, you know, when you can't shoot, all guys just have to clog the lanes. When, when Robert Covington can't shoot, he's, he's having a really um, tough time shooting the last couple of games. He's slumping. And then yeah. JJ Reddick goes out last night, but but he was he wasn't shooting great either. It's just like you don't have enough guys. There's no guys on that team that can actually play make for themselves. So it's tough without Embiid right. there. There's you know they suffer tremendously on the defensive end because guys just over rotate, they overcommit to to shooters, and then they you know they just whip the ball around and for open shots. <laughs> it's yeah, and it, yeah, we, and, it, and you know I think it puts a lot of pressure on Brett Brown too to kind of make up for you know how do I help everybody else, especially with Simmons' lack of shooting and Embiid out. So I think it's you know it puts a lot of pressure on Simmons and it puts a lot of pressure on Brett Brown too at the same time. Yeah, he's there's a there's this like certain small sect of fans, Philly fans, that are, that consistently call for Brett Brown's job. And I don't get it. Like, what are you guys doing? Hey, man? you know what? If you guys don't want him, I'll be more than happy to take him. <laughs> no, you cannot have Brett Brown. I want that man to stay at least for another two or three years. Like he's not, it's, it's not fair to judge him yet. You know, no, the, the guys are still really young. I, this is just like typical impatient Philly fans freaking out. But listen, let's, <laughs> let's focus on the bulls here because I talk about the Sixers way too much. Um, they did some really nice things in that game. And honestly, I haven't really watched them much this season because they were on a, what, 10 game losing skid before Miritich came back. Yeah, I think it was. They were three and twenty before Miritich and then David Nwaba came back. Oh yeah. Uh, um, I think they were one and ten without Nwaba uh, when he went down with a sprained ankle, and then he came back at this like I think it was the same game as Miritich, and mm-hmm. yeah, a six-game winning streak. I mean, it makes a huge difference when you have somebody like Nwaba who can impact the game on both ends, especially on defense and guard multiple positions, and then. You know, you got Nico coming in who's playing out of his mind and actually giving some more offense for him. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, the perfect storm right now. Um, you know, we're seeing it play out. How long do you expect it to last? Because I think it'll probably, like, not last very much longer. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I think they'll regress pretty quickly here. You know, it's just teams do it every year. They get on a little bit of a hot streak and then they regress, especially some of the, some of the you know, the worst teams. But, well, um, I the thing that, th- you know, the thing about that too, is like, th- there's really no scouting report on these guys right now. Cause nobody was expecting this. Right. So once, well, that, once the league starts to figure them out a little bit, it's going to be a lot harder for them to get their shots. But what were you going to say? Yeah, no, that's a good point too. I think with, you know, Meritich in the full now it forces teams to, you know, adjust their scouting reports. And, um, but I think that, you know, one of the things to keep in mind, uh, you know, during the winning streak is there's been a couple of games where, you know, key players haven't played either. So, um, you know, for instance, like Embiid, you know, the last game, he wasn't playing. Mm-hmm. So they've caught in a couple of breaks uh, during that winning streak. So hasn't it been like they've played six teams, you know, who are at full strength either. So uh, it's also kind of a factor to keep in mind when looking at it. That's true. But they have had a few quality wins. I can't name any of them for you right now. But they, <laughs> <laughs> if I was better with the Internet and talking at the same time, I could look it up. But I'm not. 
Um, <laughs> but let's talk about Nico a little bit. He looks right now like I think they're undefeated since he came back, right? Six-game winning streak. Yep. He yep, looks uh, right now exactly like the guy that the Bulls thought they were going to get four years ago, only better. Because I remember when he came in in his rookie season, he was sort of a revelation. It was pretty impressive. He was an old rookie or older rookie. He was, what, 22? Um, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he was. I think he was around 22 when he came in. Yeah, and we thought, wow, this guy's going to be ready to play right off the bat. He was, he was really exciting to watch that first year. And after that, man, he just kind of fell off really hard. Um, but this year, in six games, he's putting up 20 points. Uh, what is he? 20 points, seven rebounds. It's, it's been fun, and he's shooting really well. Um, I think 50% from three. That can't be right. <laughs> That's what the numbers are telling me right now. I do not believe my eyes. I think, uh, yeah, I don't think he shoots many threes, but on the on the shots that he's taking, it's fifty one percent field goal percentage from the field. It's you know he's looking good, man, and he's he's impacting on both ends of the floor. What, yeah, I mean, I oops, sorry, go ahead. Go, no, 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 go ahead. What do you think? Well, you know, those first few years, I think you know he was streaky. You know, those first few years, he didn't really come on until the second half of the year. There was that one March, I think it was two years ago, where he was just on fire. Um, but I think the one thing was is that you know the Bulls never really valued his skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, he's somebody who's really good with the ball in his hands. He's not just a spot up shooter. He's not. He's not what I think the Bulls thought he was. He he's much more dynamic in terms of his offensive skill set than they give him credit for. And I think we're seeing Hoiberg kind of give him that freedom now. Last year he was kind of pigeonholed into a role with Rondo and Wade um, and Butler as kind of that just spot up guy, space the floor, and now. With, especially with the second unit that he's with right now, uh, Hoiberg's essentially giving him the keys. You know, he gets in there, he's letting him play, he's letting him create offense for himself and others, and you know, and that's what we're, that's why we're seeing him play so well um, is because of that freedom. He's just letting him play his game. Um, will it continue? Um, who knows? Uh, consistency again has always been like the big issue with him. Um, if he can keep it up, that's great. It just I think it adds to his potential trade value um, come mid January, but. Um, I, I think the biggest thing, again, you know, contributing to that is just Hoiberg letting him play, and he's actually kind of fitting into a role that he was meant to play um, that he wasn't in the last, you know, few years. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned his trade value because I was going to ask you about that too. I wanted to talk a little bit about him and Portis actually playing together before that, but you know what? Since you brought it up, let's just talk about his trade value. <laughs> do, you, do you think they're do you think they're actually going to shop him around the trade deadline? I mean, his his I, value seems to be increasing right now, and you'd be a fool not to be considering it, right? Right. I mean, I he was shopped around the trade deadline last year, but his value was so low because of the way he was playing that nobody was going to give anything of substantial value for him. Um, this year, he can't be traded, I think, until early, mid-January because of the contract he just signed. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they shopped him around. Um, you know, if he continues to have high value... Um, you know, I think they'll at least throw him out there to see what they can get. If they can get a late first rounder um, or a potential future second rounder, I think you have to at least think about it. Uh, you don't think he's you don't think he's worth keeping around more than like a, a late first rounder or a potential second rounder. I mean, you don't think he has more value to the team than that. I don't think anybody's going to give anything more than that. Um, you know, just because of his past and how streaky he is. Uh, and you just, you still don't quite know what, you know, what he can provide on a consistent basis. So mm-hmm. I think teams are going to be cautious in giving up too much for him. 
Um, and plus, knowing the Bulls front office will probably get swindled in a deal anyway. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's another conversation. But uh, well, one thing we know about him for sure, though, is the man can take a punch. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that that's was, definitely maybe true. he can. He, he was, how long was he in the hospital? Like four days? He was out for what six weeks or something? Damn near a week, and he was he was off the court for I think about six weeks. So yeah, I mean, you know, but I, I do think he. The likeliest person on the Bulls to get traded uh, would probably be Nico, and then right behind him would be probably Robin Lopez. I think one of those two would be the most likely. Yeah, because I mean, both of those guys, you could see like a contender, a contender, excuse me, wanting wanting to you know have them on their team to give them something off the bench, like you know Robin for sure. He's a good player, so you could yeah. you know you he, could get something for him, and you have um, what's the guy's name on the bench waiting in the wings, uh, Feliciano. Uh, yeah, uh, Felicio. He's Felicio, not Felicio. Yeah, he's. This he's isn't a Christmas Carol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, it's that time of year, you know. Feliz Navidad. Uh, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> nah, I mean, I just, I just think, you know, if if they can get some value out of Nico, they're they they might pull the trigger just because they want to make sure they give enough time for Laurie Markkinen and Bobby Portis, two guys still on rookie contracts that still have a ton of potential. They're only nineteen and I think twenty one. You know, I, I just, you know, I think it opens up more time for them. And um, Nico's got a friendly contract and he's in his prime. And I think he's somebody who could help a contender. And so if the right deal comes along, I see him pulling the trigger. Yeah. I mean, you know, the argument to keep him would be that he has he's having a good year. Maybe this could sustain. Maybe he could continue this. And he's sort of an older guy in your locker room. He's kind of a veteran presence. But at the same time, they're not going anywhere in a hurry. You know, they, they've no. got some really young players and Zach Levine and Chris Dunn who they're hoping are going to be good for them. So, I mean, if you match up timelines, which is one thing I love to talk about, it's really important <laughs> to think about, you know, <laughs> like his, his personal career timeline is a little bit advanced beyond what those guys are. And like, you could keep him around for sure. You'll get another good four or five years out of him. If he, you know, if he pans out to be uh, a decent um, and consistent player, but you know, it's a gamble. Maybe you could get something that, like, you think might be better. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think you have to trade him. I think you dangle him out there mm-hmm. as bait just to see what you could get. And if you don't, I mean, if there's nothing that's in, you know enticing enough, then you you know you just stay pat. If you do get something like a first round pick, then I think you absolutely trade him if you can get a you know another asset like that. But you know, we'll just have to wait and see, you know, kind of what happens and, you know, the decisions they end up making here. For sure. Let me ask you about the, the, the Portis ordeal. Like, what happened? I've heard rumors that, like, these guys never really liked each other. I know we're going all the way back to, like, the preseason and this stuff. But yeah, I, the reason I bring it up is because, like, since he's got back, since he came back, and so Miritich apparently publicly accepted um, Portis's apology. But he never actually accepted his apology to him personally. <laughs> is what I understand. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, the two of these guys, like, actually playing together and high-fiving one another on the court and, like, <laughs> acting like it's it blows my mind. Like, I don't know how. I think we have to give the as much as we love to tear down the front office and the coach. I think somebody needs to get some credit for, like, keeping them together and actually getting them to, like, actually get on the same court at the same time and not, like, want to fight each other. You know? kind of smoothing that whole thing over. Cause this is unbelievable to me. Imagine if you and I were in a fight and you broke my jaw, Dude, <laughs> I would never talk to you again. In fact, next time I saw you, I'd probably hit you with my car. 
Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. I mean, it, it was definitely, I, the whole incident was just weird, but um, I guess just when you kind of read some of the stuff and hear some of the stuff that the beat guys have talked about, uh, that incident had been brewing for a little bit. I know I, from, you know, reading them, there is some tension between those two uh, for a little bit. Um, and then like this summer, all the younger guys were working out at the Bulls facility, but Nika was doing his own thing at the Bulls facility mm-hmm. um, and not really hanging around the young guys. I know that apparently the younger guys were taking it personally, um, but there's two totally different dynamics going on between N- what Nika was trying to do this summer as a free agent, what those guys were trying to do. So, um, but then it just kind of, you know, it tipped, it tipped. There's a tipping point, I guess, in practice. And, but like you said, um, you know, as much as we like to rag on the front office of the Bulls and the, and Fred Hoiberg, I don't, I don't know if you could have handled it any better. Um, you know the things they said in the media, and you know how those two have handled it. It's about as professional as I think you could have gotten. I mean, I think they put it beside them finally. They have appear to have great chemistry on the floor now. They're, I think, the one of the, the probably the best duo for the Bulls right now, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and there have been absolute professionals about it, and they've put it behind them, and it, it doesn't seem to be a distraction anymore. So. I mean, kudos to the organization, kudos to Hoiberg and those two for handling it, you know, as best as they could. Yeah, and, like, they're they're playing so well together. It's starting to make me think that maybe somebody should punch me in the face and I could get better at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just have a coworker come yeah. by. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I do the podcast alone these days, so I don't <laughs> But other than that, yeah, I don't want to get punched at work. That would suck. Um <laughs> Yeah, man, it's it's kind of unbelievable. They have, you know, again, like I, I'm speaking from a very, very uh, little bit of experience watching them this year. They, I watched them exactly like two times this year, and one time was the other night when they played the Sixers. Um, right. But that 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 chemistry they seem to have, Miritich and Portis on the on the court seems seems to be legit. And if they can keep this going, I mean, like, you know, we'll get into the problem with them actually winning in a bit, but. It seems like at least for Bulls fans, it's something to watch. At least it's something exciting and fun. Because prior to this, man, we all knew they were gonna like tank so they could get the best pick they could. But it's it's a miserable experience when the guys, you know, just just when nothing's happening. Like you're just watching a stale team have little possessions and and little successful ones at that. Like they they get the ball, they barely score, they they don't play yeah. defense, and it was just a miserable slog. I I couldn't tune in for that. A slow game. Nobody to watch. I, I I wouldn't know what to do as a Bulls fan. So, at least watching them the other night, they were enjoyable. They 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 were running and gunning for the most part, which is also you know always yeah. fun to watch. The other thing is Chris Dunn, man. He looks legit. Like we all, everyone, I think, like <laughs> you know when he when he was drafted fifth overall in 2016 right everyone was really high on him i think if for nothing else then his story was so compelling like this kid coming out of a really tough neighborhood and making it for himself and, and you know he's he's a little bit older we thought well he's going to be really mature and professional and like he just tries really hard he seems really smart and that first year was just abysmal in in uh minnesota so i i think you know obviously they sold low on him and it seems to be like it, it might be a really good get for the Bulls. Just watching him last night, 
his lateral quickness just blew me away, man. He was giving everyone on that team, J.J. Redick, he was giving them fits. They had nowhere to go. He just, he's that quick mm-hmm. on defense. And it's really impressive to watch. Plus, there was like one or two mid-range shots that he made that I actually like thought he looked a little bit like Michael Jordan. I was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I mean, you know, I think the thing, and you can look at any rookie that's played under Tom Thibodeau, it's always been tough because he's so demanding. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, the sets he puts on offense, there's so many of them defensively. His schemes are so um, complicated and there, there's so much detail. It's tough. And I think that's probably what we saw last year. Um, you know, and this year, I, you know, we've always known him to be a defensive guy. We knew he was going to be good on that end. The question was, what can he do on the other end? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, during the six-game winning streak, and we're seeing his confidence grow. I think that's the biggest thing, you know, and that's for any player. You want to see him have confidence, especially a younger guy, and that's what he has right now. And I think Horberg just giving him the freedom on offense to make plays and then in the spare time working with him on his shot, we're seeing that improvement. Um, He's making plays for others. Um, You know, so it's all just kind of clicking right now for him, and his confidence continues to go game by game. And, you know, that's what you want to see out of him. You know, the only thing I, I think he's still lacking is, you know, finishing around the rim a little bit. But other than that, I mean, he's progressing in the areas you want to see. Um, personally, I don't know if he's going to, if he's a starting caliber point guard in this league in the future. He might be, you know, at best your backup, primary mm-hmm. backup. But who knows? I mean, if he keeps progressing throughout the year, you know, no, you know, he, he could always turn into a starting caliber point guard. But, at the end of the day, he's making strides, and you know and that's really what you want to see from your point guard. Well, and a good place to start is like he's a he's a big guard, and yeah. he's he's plays defense, so you can always have him on the court. You know, I mean, maybe at some point it'll become a liability on the offensive end, but at least you know you can rely on him for his defense, and that goes a long way. He'll get some minutes playing, right? So yeah, that's huge. If he can turn into like a, a lighter version of Avery Bradley, not lighter, but a, a poor man's Avery Bradley without the <laughs> without the three point shot, but. I think uh, he's like a Patrick Beverly. Pat I see him more Beverly, like a yeah. Pat Beverly type of guy. Like if he can turn into that, like I think that might. I don't know if it's selling him low, but I think that could be his ceiling as like a Pat Beverly type of guy. He seems like he has a little bit more athletic dynamicism to me than that. But he's a little bit bigger. He's yeah. a little bit bigger, but I just think in the way if he can, you know, hit spot up threes, make some plays on offense, but then just be a pest on defense. I mean, that could be where his role is. He definitely is that, man. He has the tools to be, like, a really damn good defender in his league. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But it was fun to watch him play, and it was fun to, like, you know, see him succeed. I mean, it sucked that he did it against my team, but good for <laughs> him. Uh, right. <laughs> and then, you know, you have you have Zach Levine coming back, who we all know is, like, a sieve on defense. But I think he's been – he was improving in that area on the Wolves last year before he got injured. And we know that kid is super athletic and get, can get you buckets. They're, they're, you know, they're two young pieces that when they were traded, you know, everybody thought, well, this is a horrible, horrible trade for the Bulls. They gave away Jimmy Butler for this. And, but the thing is like, what were they going to do? Like there's no team there keeping Jimmy Butler on this team for no reason with nobody else around him. It's just, you know, it's just treading water and you got to feel better. you got to feel good for Jimmy Butler that he actually at least has a chance to succeed on another team. So I don't really necessarily blame them for making that trade i guess uh at the time of course we all railed on them because it's it seemed yeah kind of of silly and i mean i guess my thing with the whole butler trade is they you know was it right timing for the trade probably um my biggest my biggest you know issue with that whole thing was they never gave jimmy a chance to really you know to really build around him 
Yeah. Um, that was my biggest issue. You don't know what he could have been if you just built around him like a like James Harden-esque. That's what everybody wanted to see him in, like a James Harden role. You know, surround him with shooter space the floor, see what he could become. And, you know, they just they never really gave him that chance. And that was the biggest issue that I took up with the trade um, was just them not giving him that opportunity and just bailing on him maybe a year or two too quick. But Well, the uh, problem with putting good players around him is you actually have to spend money, you know? <laughs> the Bulls yeah, organization is really money-spending adverse. Well, they spent the money, but in the wrong places two years ago on Wade and Rondo. Oh, yeah. You know, that was just a pure business move. That wasn't even a basketball, you know, was not. There's no basketball intelligence in those moves. It was just purely based on business and bringing in money and um, wasted a year of Jimmy Butler's prime. But that's, that's you know, again, another probably podcast in itself. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, it was, it was bad management for his career on their part, no doubt. Um, yeah. But listen, what, what, what do you think would have have to happen for this trade to be successful in your mind. What what do you think do you, would it be Chris Dunn and and Zach Levine maybe being like borderline all-stars in order for this to feel like a win or do you think they would actually have to like be one of those two would have to turn into an all-star? What what would make it feel better for you going, you know, moving forward? What would make this trade a win? Yeah, I think if Levine or Levine, sorry, um, Levine's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I think it's a great question, and it's I think it's something I was thinking about that earlier today, and um, I I don't Levine. Levine it's Zach, okay. You say what I'm, you I'm want, man. Call, I'm not judging. So I think if Zach <laughs> Zach's never Zach. gonna be he's not, he's never gonna be like your go-to guy, your number one player on a contender. He's just not. That's I in my opinion. I think it, but if he can turn into, you know, your second or third option, maybe, you know, fringe second or third option. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you have Dunn who can be, you know, a starting caliber point guard or just your primary backup. I think though, I think you could consider that a win. And then if, you know, Laurie, he looks, Laurie Markin looks to be the real deal, you know, and if he can continue to progress and, uh, you know, maybe be a, you know, top 10, you know, center power forward. In the future, maybe be on a fringe all-star team. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's too far-fetched, but I, you know, there's potential there, and you just have to wait and see if they can grow. Um, and if they do, I think it is a win. I think they're on the right track right now, even though it's early. I can see it kind of playing out into a win for the Bulls, but you know, things happen. Yeah, that's true. I totally forgot about Markin, and he played really well the other night too. Got all those guys. The Sixers made all the Bulls look like superstars the other night. <laughs> <laughs> it's really depressing right now. Uh, yeah, marketing seems like like the real deal. Like I thought that he was going to be one of those guys that like he was so overhyped in college. I just thought he was going to be a guy that plays no defense and just shoots threes. It seems like <laughs> it seems like he might actually be a legit player. Yeah, he. Uh, I didn't know much about him, you know, going in there. I knew who I wanted the Bulls to kind of get in terms of you know a prospect. Um, so there's a lot of question marks around him, and I, you know I think he's. Um, given a lot of people a lot of hope and he's shut a lot of people up who had doubts about him and you know he kind of gives you a little bit of a Porzingis feel uh, you know easy. he's take it easy. <laughs> a little bit I said a little bit you know he he's a shooter I mean he's not a big who I think Zach Lowe mentioned this in one of his uh, recent pieces you know he, he said he's not a power forward who can stretch the floor he's a shooter you know he catches it and he's ready to shoot it's a quick high release you know he can stroke it um, and then you can put it on the deck a little bit and you can create plays for others. Um, you know, you just got to get a little bit stronger to battle down low on some post moves. But um, 
I think he's got tremendous potential and he's only 20 years old. I mean, yeah. You know, that's really exciting. I you know, it's it's really exciting to kind of envision what he could become and um, you know, maybe he does kind of become, you know, a lighter version of Porzingis in a sense. I didn't realize he's actually 7 foot. That's crazy. He see he for me he seemed like he played a lot smaller than that on the court. I was I was like, is he playing the small forward position? <laughs> uh. Well, I I think they just they don't have him playing too much. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the post, the only times they really do that are when you know the defense switches um, on that pick and roll, and then they'll try and put him you know on the block to try and take advantage of that. But they won't necessarily start off with a post touch on him. Just because he's, I just don't think he's strong enough or comfortable yet in that role. Yeah, again, twenty years old, he'll grow into that. Obviously, he's, oh, yeah. he's going to put some f- weight on that frame, and he'll grow. Um, but it's early for him, man. Yeah, twenty years old, he's averaging fourteen and a half points, eight rebounds, and actually one point four assists. Isn't that nice? On thirty <laughs> minutes a game, it's 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 good. He, uh, I think he gets like completely overlooked for the rookie race, but you know. Ben Simmons is so far out in front. I, oh, I, yeah. It's, you know, actually, well, let's not talk about rookie race. Anyways, I don't want <laughs> to talk about Donovan Mitchell. Uh, <laughs> anyway, what were we talking about? We were talking about the Bulls. Hold on. This is me just, you know, saying things <laughs> until I re- remember where we were. Um, talking about wins, just but just real quick. Um, yeah. Chris Dunn is also averaging 12 points and five assists. It's pretty good. 38% from three. I didn't think he was a good three-point shooter at all out of college. He wasn't really. He was. He was. No, I think it's a. Wasn't I sh- think that improvement is just a testament to him working on it, and then I think it's a little bit of Hoiberg too, because I. I know he. Uh, oh, hang on, Joe. Yeah. I think somebody's actually at my door. One second. Okay, I'll pause this. Okay. Uh, my fault. I'm sorry about that. I don't, don't worry about it, dude. It's probably just the ghost living in your apartment. Yeah. Probably. Some <laughs> bum living in my attic. I don't know. <laughs> did you just buy a house? No, it's kind of like a little townhome, and there's like a little attic in my closet, and so I'm a little worried to look in there and see what might be hiding. <laughs> yeah. it's If it was Halloween time, I'd be like, dude, don't open that door. <laughs> right now, it's probably just an elf. Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> anyway, yeah, let's we'll, we'll move on from Chris Dunn. It didn't really matter. I just wanted to mention that, like you know, he was yeah. averaging twelve points and five assists, which is nice. It's nice. It's a nice turnaround yep. for him. Um, we were going to talk about the the idea that like now that the Bulls are winning, when they should be tanking, like what is going on? What are they doing? How how do you feel about this as a Bulls fan? Like you obviously want them to tank, right? Because for so many reasons, this is the last year when you're actually going to have these odds to keep your pick. If you fall number one, you still have a really good chance to keep that pick. Um, next year, moving forward, you have way less. Well, not way less, but the odds are not as good. And it evens out to the top six, I think, something like that. I'm not a yeah. draft guru, but but this is the year you <laughs> want to keep that pick, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, in looking at what they did this summer, you, you this year you envision them trying to – they're not going to try to lose, but you envision them, you know – losing as many games as possible and getting them in that, you know, the best position possible for a draft pick. But I mean, at the end of the day, also in a rebuilding situation, you want to see them compete. You want to see them play hard. Um, and you want to see improvements each game. And you know what, that's what you're seeing. You're seeing younger guys like Chris Dunn improve. You're seeing Denzel Valentine, even though he's in a little bit of a slump here recently, you know, improve a little bit. Um, you know, Porus has improved. You're going to get Zach Levine back, which is only going to help. So, I mean, those are the things you want to look for in a rebuild. And if the wins come, they come. And right now, they're coming in a streak. But, um, you know, I was reading a uh, 
recent article that came out today. I think it was this morning from Ricky O'Donnell, who writes for Bloggable from time to time, but is also a uh, contributor full-time for SB Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, he, met, he mentioned this a little bit in his article at the end. He said, you know, the, the tank isn't always cracked up, or isn't always what it's cracked up to be. Um, you know, it's, he said it's fine. Essentially what he said, it's fine if they win games. Because he goes, in looking at the draft from even this last year, he goes, Donovan Mitchell was a 13th pick. He goes, mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard, back in his draft, was the number 15 pick. Giannis was 16. You know, and he said, if the Bulls end up with a sixth pick instead of the first, it's not the end of the world. You know, there's still uh, Michael Bridges from Villanova. You know, so it, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, there's still going to be talented guys down there, and you can always run into a gem. So it's like he said, it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, the biggest thing, you know, for me is, do you want him to lose as many games? Yeah. But at the same time, you want to see him improve and you want to see the guys get better and make strides in the areas that they need to. And I think early on, at least we're seeing that after a slow start. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's what you got to look at at the end of the day. And, um, you know, at least that's how I'm viewing it. Well, I can tell you from personal experience and being a huge fan of the process, it's really going to start to kill you around the end of the season when they start winning games again. Like they'll probably go on a slump. <laughs> they'll probably lose. And then and then they start yeah. winning games right at the end of the year. And you'll be like, what are you doing? Stop this. <laughs> so you'll be fighting. Yeah. You'll have this internal struggle with like the other thing is like you'll have this internal struggle about like you really want to see your team win. You always want to see your team win. You want to be competitive. You just want to win. Everybody wants to feel like a winner. And at the same time, rooting for them to lose games <laughs> so you can get a, a guy who's going to help the team. It's 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 a real hard thing to, to, uh, to deal with in certain ways. But I think it'll be fine. I think you're absolutely right. You want them to show improvement. And if it translates to wins and they get the sixth pick instead of the first, so be it, right? Right, right. It's, yeah, I, I, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say nothing's guaranteed anyways. It's not like, listen, the Sixers took Julio Okafor in the third pick and look where he's at right now. He still yeah. can't get minutes on the Brooklyn Nets because he's fat and out of shape. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's. It, I think over time, over the next probably month or two, I think we'll see it even out. Maybe it won't with Levine coming back. Who knows? I do get a kind of feel right now. It's kind of like, I don't know. I was thinking, I was watching him. I'm actually watching him right now and I don't know. I get this weird vibe, like from last year's Miami Heat team. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the caliber of players aren't aren't even close to being the same, and the coaching I don't think is not even close. But just the way that they compete and they play hard, um, you know, you kind of get that vibe a little bit in the way they play. So I don't know. It, it's interesting um, to kind of see how these next few months go, especially with Zach coming back, if if that trend continues at all. Yeah. It's just weird that they're, you know, it's just weird that they're winning six game winning streak. Is it's like that's that's not nothing. That's legit, you know. So yeah. I mean, maybe we just underestimated. Is it possible that Garpax is actually they're actually good at their job and like <laughs> <laughs> that like maybe we've given too much grief about this teardown and this rebuild and like maybe they actually know what they're doing. Is that is it possible? Is there any way this is possible? I'll give it like a 5% chance. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, uh, I think it's too early to tell with this group. Um, I I think it's too early to judge that. Yeah, I think it'll be a couple years before you really can judge this rebuild. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when you judge them on that, and just their performance, there's too many things that have happened in recent seasons that it's just really hard to kind of give them any sort or to credit. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I hear you. Handled certain things. Um, you know, it's just tough. Um, 
I, you know, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough, it, I don't know. I'm just gonna leave it at that. I, I'm not ready to give him credit. <laughs> that's, hey, that's totally fair. I'm the, I'm not either. Can I ask you another really hard question? Do you think it's possible that Hoiberg can actually coach? <laughs> um, I think so. Um, I just think when he got the job, it, it wasn't the right fit for him mm-hmm. in terms of, I don't think it was the right timing. I don't think it was the right team for him to come in and coach right out of college. And the front office didn't do him any favors in terms of the personnel they surrounded him with to play his system. Yeah. Um, that was the biggest hindrance for him as a coach in his first three years. I think now, um, I think now you, you'll probably see him grow a little bit more as a coach. And you'll see his quote unquote system come to fruition a little bit more. Let's, let's uh, talk about that real quick. Cause you're a coach. Yeah. What is his quote unquote system? I don't even understand what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's the fast pace open floor system where you surround the floor three point shooters and you just space the floor and go. So the um, same thing that everyone else in the league is doing right now, right? Yeah, essentially. Yeah, okay. He's just a, you know, it's kind of like the D'Antoni thing. He mm-hmm. he influenced the game so much with those seven seconds or less sons. Yeah. I think that's what it was. I didn't push that. But, uh, you know, he's essentially adopted that, you know, that scheme. And, you know, it's it's supposed to be free-flowing, you know, read the defense, make decisions. And before that, you didn't have the personnel to really implement it. And now with a younger group and guys that are buying in, you know, he's able to do that. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit more play out. Yeah, well, correct me if I'm wrong here, but when he was hired, he still had Derek Rose and Joakim Noah on that team, right? Lou Aldang yeah. was he on his last year, and then I can't remember if he was still there or not. I don't think Dang was not there, but yeah, he had Noah and he had Rose. His relationship with Noah didn't get off to a good start with the whole report that Noah wanted to be benched or come off the bench. That mm-hmm. You know, but then you have guys like Rose and Noah who need the ball in their hands. Well, and they're also just Butler that need the ball in their hands. Excuse me. And and when you have guys like that and you're trying to get them to move the ball and move without the ball, you know, it's just like plugging, you know, it's like plugging, uh, uh, you know, circles in a square pegs almost. You know, it's just it's not going to work. And again, you know, Gar Packs just didn't do him any favors those first few years. And, you know, that's, that's why he struggled. One of the primary reasons. I mean, and now it seems like exactly as you said, the, the, the team is constructed way more to his liking. You've got a bunch of really young guys who are really athletic who can just get out and run and shoot. Not necessarily shoot that great, but like Justin Holiday had a really good night the other night. He was hitting every three-point shot he put up. I doubt that's going to continue, but it's there. He's athletic and he's fun. He can be yep. fun to watch. And Nawaba, man. I forgot that he was out for the season. That's a really like sneaky good get for that team in general. Not just this year, but going forward, he's going to be a really good player in this league for a long time. He's a solid, just a solid guy on the court. He's never, yeah. I don't think he's ever going to be a superstar, but you're right. His, his presence on the defensive end will always keep you in games and he can hit the three point shot. He's a, he's, he's a good player. He's like one of those solid guys, solid rotation guys that everybody wants on their team. Oh, absolutely agree. I think, you know, and kind of going back to the whole Horberg thing, I, I don't think there's any pressure on him really this year. I don't think there's any pressure on the players. I think those first few years with those guys, there was so much pressure to, to succeed post-Thibodeau. You know, and I think that caused a lot of tension and issues between everybody. But now you're mm-hmm. seeing everybody just kind of relaxed more. It's like a, you know, like a weight's been lifted off their shoulders, and they can just play, and he can just coach. Um, so I think that's what we're seeing play out. But, you know, transitioning into, into Nawaba, it's almost it's essentially that Jonathan Simmons esque story with the Spurs, 
um, in terms of jumping around, coming from the D League, paying his way through there. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's finally getting the opportunity to play, and you know, he's taking it and running with it. And personally, I think he's the Bulls' most important player. Like I said when we started, you know, when he went out, they were one and ten. With him, they're eight and nine. So, um, you know, he's not a guy that's going to score twenty points, but he does so many good little things on both ends of the floor that he creates a huge difference for that team. And that's what we're seeing, especially during the six-game winning streak. And unlike Laurie Markkinen, like Nwava, he plays way bigger than his stature. He's only 6'4", yeah. but he's, he plays like he's a small forward. Um, yeah, he's got a 6'9 wingspan, and you know, and he can guard one through four if he wants to. Yeah, he's he, and he's stocky as hell. I mean, he's... Yeah. He, <laughs> he's the Bulls' best athlete. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sands, Levine, but... Um, yeah, he's absolute freak of nature. How many years do they have him? I don't. Does he just signed a? Uh, um, I think it was a couple years. I'd have to. Look. I I want to say it was at least a couple years. Um, so they have him. I know for at least probably one one more year. If I, they haven't, if they haven't signed, if they haven't locked him up yet, then they they need to do that as soon as possible. Yeah, seriously, I would love to have him on the Sixers. <laughs> he's averaging yeah. eight points and five rebounds, but man, it seems like he's all over the court and doing so much more for them. You might be right. He might be their best player right now. Or the most yeah, important, mean, anyway. Most, yeah, most important player in terms of like just you know, in terms of winning and competing. He just he sets the tone on both ends, and he does the intangibles that coach you know coach speak. He does the intangibles that yeah. every coach wants and every coach loves, and you know, and that's a difference maker for this team right now. Not just coaches though. Like think about the players on the team. Guys want guys that really hustle and work their asses off around them. Yeah. Guys want guys that are gonna like you know, put everything on the line for the team and for a win. And everyone will respect that. You'll get your other, you know, the other guys around you will play harder because you're giving it your all. That's, you know, it's, it's amazing thing to have. Just think about this going into the season, this Bulls team to have a guy like that on your team right now. It's just that, that alone is a huge win. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know what? Okay. We'll, we'll say, I'll say this. All right. I will give, Gar Foreman and John Paxson credit in the sense that they are very good at finding those hidden gems mm-hmm. um, in terms of like Nawaba and then Paul Zipser and Felicio. I think they can be, they're not very good right now this year. Um, just in terms, I think they're just, there's a lot of pressure on them to, I think, be continue their growth from last year that they had in their rookie years, but mm-hmm. there's just not the talent around them right now to give them, you know, the opportunities they had last year. So they're struggling. Right. Um, but they're, I think they're, they're still good players. And, you know, the Bulls, you know, that front office has historically been pretty good at finding some hidden gems, um, you know, and they got another one, Nawaba. So I will give them credit in that regard. Yeah, good, good for them. They did something right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the few things. One of the few things. You could take something. You can glean something from this this atrocity of a season. It's not. It's, I guess it's not that bad. Six-game winning streak, man. That's fun. Um, since it's the holiday times and it's christmas let's in the christmas spirit if you were going to give gift this team a present what would it be i know i didn't prepare you for this i didn't i didn't give you any heads up and i just thought about this on the train on my uh, way home from work so <laughs> if you don't have an answer it's fine no you know what it's, it is a good question i think it's i think it's a healthy zach levine or levine i think it's him coming back you know no setbacks you know finishing the air strong um, showing his potential with the organization, um, you know, and how he can contribute. And um, I, I, that's the thing I want, I, I would like to give him is just, you know, a healthy, confident um, Zach Levine to help, you know, continue this trend and 
of them improving game by game. You mm-hmm. know, that's that's what I'd like to see. And I'd I'd like to see him running with Chris Dunn too. That would be yeah, because they're both so much like so much athletic ability and just bounciness. It would be if even if they're not winning games, at least they're fun to watch. Having fun yeah. players on your team can go so far towards keeping you happy even in a losing season. Like Agreed. Just, you know, like we like Embiid last year, he was such a revelation those 31 games where he wasn't hurt. It was like the whole season was worth it, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like you could be the Kings, you know, very hard to watch. Yeah, the Kings <laughs> yeah, just beat the Sixers it. last night. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I know, you and me both, buddy. I don't know what's happening to this team right now. They're like spiraling out of control. Yeah, it's the lack of Embiid, you know, like like we said, he's just the difference maker for him. Yeah, he really is. Anyway, but, you know, well, go ahead. Yeah, like like you said, you know, to your point, you know, if you got a team that plays hard, they're fun, you know, they're continuing to grow. I mean, that makes the rebuild a little bit easier, and you know, that's what's happening right now. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if I have any more else to say about the Bulls. We've talked about them for like 45 minutes, which is crazy. <laughs> probably 20 minutes too much. <laughs> yeah, probably 40 minutes too much. Um, <laughs> uh, you want anything else you'd like to add? Would you like to plug your stuff or anything? Uh, you know what? I, I've kind of backed away from writing um, for the time being with coaching going on and everything, but i definitely like to hop back aboard here maybe in another month to see where the Bulls are at, see if Zach's back and, you know, what, you know, what's going on with the Bulls. Yeah, man. You know, you're always welcome on the podcast. You just shoot me a DM on the, on the Twitter thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll slide into the DMs here in about a month. <laughs> hey, take it easy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> anyway, man, why don't you plug your stuff and I'll let you go. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, – Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R, underscore Pleiss, P as in Paul, L-E-I-S-S. Um, and you can also find some old articles from myself at bloggable.com. But just be sure to follow those guys, too, because there's a lot of great writers at that site. So um, give, those guys a, give, give those guys a read and a follow, too. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go. Tyler Place, everybody. Thanks again, Tyler, for coming on and talking some bulls with me. It's been great. That's going to do it for me for this week, uh, and I'll talk to you guys again next week. Until then, uh, happy holidays, and bye bye